Welcome to another edition of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, Andrew Boy on social media at MMALOT. And this week we're going over UFC 274, headlined by two title fights between uh, the lightweight champion, uh, Charles Oliveira, going up against Justin Gaethje. For some reason, I want to say Dustin, but he fought Dustin last time around. Uh, and then in the co-main event, we got the strawweight strap on the line here. Rose Namajunas trying to avenge her first loss in the UFC by taking on challenger Carla Esparza in a very intriguing matchup. Very different dynamics than what Rose is used to over her last couple fights. So I'm interested to see how she deals with the grappling approach that's inevitable from Carla Esparza here. But Let's go over the last event, first and foremost, as we you know normally do. We always stay as transparent as possible. Speaking of transparency, uh, this is the first uh, lockcast I've been able to do since the last pay-per-view event. Uh, a lot of whirlwind stuff going on, uh, visiting the in-laws, doing all that type of stuff. But I tried staying consistent with the other episodes that I do or other shows that I do, which uh, the Ultimate Wayne Show, Propping You Up, uh, all that stuff. So I'm still churning out the content for you guys maybe not in solo fashion but uh yeah the lockcast is back um doing it live this time around but next week it should be back to its normal uh pre-recorded version but uh, i want to get it out man today was a hellacious day of just recording streams guest spots uh finishing off my research doing all this all that so uh it's been a long long day i still have one more thing to record after this stream but i wanted to make sure that i got the uh the law cast out there for you guys especially for those of you that enjoy listening to me blabber by myself you know i mean uh, i'm not a big fan of my own self in terms of uh listening to myself or anything like that as most people would admit as well like uh you know, they, they just don't like listening to themselves just like I don't. Uh, but uh, some of you guys do. So I will do my best to uh, get through these fights as best as possible for you guys. Answer some questions uh, uh, as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, shout out to all of you guys that remain loyal, that remain uh, in my corner no matter what the hell is going on, whether I'm on a losing streak, whether I'm on a winning streak, whether I disappear for a little bit. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are always there sticking with your boys. So. Like I said, let's stick with the transparency theme of things here. And let's go over the last event. Uh, you know what? Let's go over every event quickly uh, since the last podcast that I did. So, uh, clean reverse sweep at UFC 273. Uh, Tisha Torres, two units at plus 100 against Mackenzie Dern. That crashes and burns all it takes from Mackenzie Dern like it did for um, Aljamain Sterling is just one round of control is enough for her to, to win a round uh, and then obviously she was able to win the first round as well but Tisha Torres did a damn good job in terms of defending not getting finished unfortunately she was not able to pick up the win so that's minus two units there I had one unit on Aspen Ladd at plus 154 very frustrating when a fighter goes out there and does not fight to their strengths she thought she could go out there and outstrike Raquel Pennington for the first two rounds and then in the third round she finally goes to wrestling where she was able to get some success and have success uh unfortunately too little too late she doesn't get it done so minus one unit there uh i also had a 0.2 unit stab on daniel santos to defeat julio arce via knockout i actually uh made that bet even before arce uh missed weight uh, I, I did like that prop considering how much of a, a wily cat Daniel Santos truly is. And I thought there was some value on that plus 500.2 units there, minus 0.2 units. And then lastly, I had a two-unit parlay of a, a, a three-legger here. So the first was the uh, Josh Fremd and Anthony Hernandez fight to not go to decision. There are plenty of opportunities there. Josh Fremd gutted it all out. Shout out to Anthony Hernandez for having a quintessential 
Anthony Hernandez type performance, although he didn't get to finish that night. So that parlay crashes right off the bat, but then it just kept getting worse because the Burns and Shemaev fight doesn't go to decision. That doesn't cash either. Uh, you know, great durability from both guys. Very surprised that Burns was able to take most of those shots as well as being able to stick in there and continue to compete with Shemaev for the majority of those 15 minutes. So mine is, uh, again, another crashed leg there. And then just the cherry on top was Piotr Jan losing to Aljamain Sterling. Again, I always find myself in those situations where I I fade the guy that the public loves uh, and then hop off the train uh, a little too early. And that's the case here with Piotr Jan. As I did try to fade him with against Corey Sandhagen last October, I thought he had the best opportunity to do so. He did not come, uh, you know, he was not able to do so. And then Aljamain Sterling goes out there, wins the first three rounds, gets the dub, and that uh, ultimately secures the reverse sweep for me that night. So all in all, that UFC 273 it was minus 5.2 units. Not a good night at all, uh, especially after the you know beating I've been taking over the last couple of events, even before that. Uh, the next event was Luke versus Mohamed. Uh, I had three parlays uh, and just ended up uh, you know just less than a unit lost there. Uh, quickly going through it, uh, I had a one-unit parlay of Baeza and the Levitt and Ogden fight to not go to decision. Both of those crash, obviously. Plenty of finishing opportunities, again, for Levitt and Ogden. Doesn't come to fruition. Baeza, that durability, don't check out anymore, so we crash on that. The other parlay that I ended up losing had uh, Munir Lazez that uh, performed very well against Angel Lusa. And that's one of those spots where I wish I just went the, the lock of the night play on the Zez there at minus 205. I don't mind eating chalk. I don't mind making chalk a lock of the night plays, especially when I felt so sure about that spot. Uh, I ended up parlaying him with uh, Jesse Ronson, who I felt pretty good about in that spot. And then he goes out there and gets finished. So minus 1.5 units there. But we did have a three-leg parlay that ended up hitting Chalk City there. We had Pat Sabatini uh, not finishing TJ Laramie, but uh, glad that he was able to go out there and still get the win. You know, I love my guy TJ Laramie. I'm glad he gained some respect that night, as a lot of people expected Sabatini to strangle him almost immediately. I know my guy is much better. I know my guy TJ Laramie is much better than what he should in the Derek Minner fight in his UFC debut, and I still think he has a lot left to show still. So I'm hoping the public continues to disrespect him because I'll likely be betting him on his next fight, which I hope they actually end up giving him uh, uh, Melsic Bagdasarian. I know a lot of people think I might be crazy for that, but they tried to book that fight a couple times now. Hasn't come to fruition. I hope they give that fight to him because I would be taking TJ Laramie there. Uh, I had Martin Boudet obviously beat Chris Barnett. Glad he gets the controversial win there. Uh, and then Haile Alateng absolutely starching Kevin Kroom in the first round there. Good way to win that. So that was a plus 166 parlay. That catches for 1.66 units. And then ultimately I'm down 0.84 units for that event. But... The winning starts after that. We get two straight winning events after that. Really trying to dig myself out of the hole that I've dug myself into for the beginning of 2022. Uh, let's quickly gloss over those. Um, this is the Lemos versus Andrade card. We'll, call, we'll start with the only loss that night I had, which was 1.07 units on Clay Guida. I should have known. Claudio Poyas was a good enough jiu-jitsu player to uh, potentially catch Clay Guida in something. Uh, and yeah, I don't know what it is. I thought Guida was going to be able to stay out of those submissions, but Poyas really put it on him with that knee bar and got the dub. So minus 1.07 units there. Next up, straight wins. 
Let's start off with the smallest first. One unit on Philippe Linz at plus 110 against Marcin Pracnial. People jumping off the uh, Linz train a little bit too quickly there, giving Marcin Pracnial a little bit too much success. And uh, Philippe Linz goes out there, gets the dub. One unit uh, to win 1.1 units. So good, good shit there. Then we had a unit and a half parlay of uh, the Iorici Lang and Cameron Ellis fight to not go to decision. Uh, that catches pretty easily. And then Jessica Andrade in the main event to bring it on home. 1.5 units at plus 114. That catches for 1.71 units. And then lastly, we went with my guy, what went with my, my girl, Macy Barber. Two units at minus 181. She should have been the lock of the night play. Again, I was kind of reeling. You know, the confidence hasn't been the best uh, over the last several events, but I was glad to get the dub there. And that continues to reassure me that that, that minus 170 to minus 230-ish range is my bread and butter. If we look at my track record, that's where I do my best work. That's where I am returning, uh, what is it right now, 17% ROI on that uh, the big favorites margin there. So I, I got to stick with that um, and, and, and believe in myself in those spots because that's where i am best it's you know people may say it's a lot easier to to do those but try doing it try try just betting those and avoiding the landmines because there's usually some landmines that need to be avoided uh so in that event plus 2.84 units happy to cash there especially breaking that losing streak that i was on let me see here that was one two three four a four event losing streak that i was on before that uh and luckily able to cash that night plus 2.84 units then last weekend we get another dub uh, we'll start off with the one that I lost, which was my dog of the night play, Jared Gordon, one unit at plus 165. Shots uh, off to Grant Dawson, man. His cardio looked good. He was able to get uh, Gordon into compromising positions even later in the fight, and then eventually even got the finish in that third round. First time anybody ever submitted black belt Jared Gordon. Shout out to Grant Dawson. Great performance from him there, especially as, as that was his first appearance with uh, American Top Team as well. Uh, next up, I had a 1.1 unit play on the fight doesn't go to decision for Daniel Lacerda and Francisco Figueiredo, uh, just as John Anik is praising the black belt of Daniel Lacerda, uh, he gets knee barred. And I couldn't be happier because that means a cash ticket for me, but I just found that hilarious. So plus 1.04 units on that uh, violence bet should have been the lock of the night play or... My other play should have been my lock of the night play. Not lock of the night play. A little bit more confidence this time around, though, because I put three units and started two units, two units like I did against Macy Barber uh, the 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 previous week. But I had three units on Christoph Chotko at minus one seventy two to defeat Gerald Mearshart. You know, it didn't seem close to me. It seemed like he won that fight pretty fair and square. It did have me a little bit sweaty that he continuously engaged in the grappling, but he seemed uh, very content on top. He knew what he was doing, stayed out of the submissions, followed the hips of Jordan Mearshart, and stayed out of the trouble. That allows us to cash 1.74 units for a total of 1.78 units profit on that event. So two-event winning streak right now. Let's try to keep it rolling. Let's try to get it going. Um uh, three straight events, uh, three straight winning events. As most of you guys know, if I do hit three straight winning events, I pretty much just put my play straight, strictly behind the Patreon. Again, it's only five bucks a month, uh, not much at all. Um, uh, again, I, I know I'm not the greatest out there. I know there's so many guys much, much better than me, have way better track records than me. So I do truly appreciate uh, everybody that does fuck with your boy on the Patreon to support the content, to support your boy, to to continue to do this thing full time. So I truly appreciate you guys, honestly. Uh, and I'm hoping that I can st start stringing together some events here, start raking in some more of that profit and get back into the green for the year. So uh, there you guys go. Nice, quick 
uh, recap of the last couple of events that I missed doing the Lockcast. Let me just quickly see who we got in the chat here. Shout out to my guy, Boone. Shout out to my guy, J-Ro, uh, Omar E, Frank Jodain. I see you. Joshua Frank, always showing support. Really, really appreciate that. Ali Hamoud, David Nettles uh, saying thank you for what you do and for always providing quality handicapping and waging content. It is my pleasure and my honor to do so. I greatly appreciate you guys hitting that like and subscribe as the bare minimum to show your support. So I truly, truly appreciate that. Uh, Jared Curry saying live lockcast. Let's rock and roll, fellas. Exactly. Lajuan Dream in the chat as well. Appreciate you stopping by. Socrates in the chat. El Paso number one saying Fernie Garcia. That's the fight that we're going to be starting off with. I know he's a hometown kid of yours, and I don't think you're going to like the breakdown that, I, that I'm just about to do for you guys. But uh, shout out to you for showing some love. Uh, Again, I'm not gonna I won't get too much into the comments because this will be also available on audio platforms. So if you have Spotify or SoundCloud or iTunes or Apple Music, whatever the hell it's called now, um, people will be able to listen to it on there. And they just want to hear their information. They don't want to hear me uh, you know, talk in comments or anything like that. But I will try to insert some if it uh, you know, if it has to do with the matchup that I'm talking about and if it is something that I need to add that people should be aware of. So please try to keep your comments, questions, and suggestions based on the matchup that I'm currently talking about. If it's about the main event or co-main event and we're still only on the third fight of the night, I'm going to have to go past it and I apologize for that. All right. Let me just wet the whistle real quick and then we'll start on this 15-fight slate that I've already broken down twice today. I'm going to do it for a third time for you guys today because I know some of you guys like hearing me jibber-jabbering, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. All right. <clears throat> First fight of the night, we got Journey Newsom returning after an extended layoff. He's taking on a contender series veteran, Fernie Garcia. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 140 for Fernie, plus 120 the return on Journey Newsom. Now, Journey's a guy that I've been quite high on in the past, right? Hasn't really worked out for him, uh, you know, especially last time around getting knocked, knocked out by Randy Costa. I think I had a two-unit play on him that night, as I'm not big on Costa myself, man. Costa continues to showcase that he's a round one or bust fighter, and I thought that was going to be one of those fights where Journey would stay safe enough in that early going, maybe even land some takedowns to try to stay safe, uh, but Randy Costa, man, th there's a reason he made it to the UFC. There's a reason he got a couple wins in the UFC. The guy's fast, the guy's explosive, and the guy's powerful. Unfortunately, Journey Newsom paid for it that night. But he's taken some time off. Now he's coming back reinvigorated, in shape, ready to go. And I think this is a great matchup for him to get right back on track. I think the lasting image that people have of Journey Newsom is the reason he's the underdog in this spot. Because Fernie Garcia doesn't really do anything too special for my liking. You know what I mean, he's a decent striker, doesn't have much head movement or anything like that. He has a nice record at 10 and 1. Obviously, uh, on the contender series, he was able to get that big win over Joshua Weems uh, via finish. But like he's going to split decisions against guys that have like nine and six records, three and four records, losing to guys with three and two records. Like it's very, very sketchy. Uh, he fights very close. You know, I believe, uh, where is it? Three, five, five out of his last six fights were very close decision uh, fights for him, uh, including that one loss that he has on his record as well. Whereas Journey Newsom, I think it puts together a very good game uh, altogether, right? Good, good jujitsu, like I said. I think he'll likely look to get this fight to the ground to uh, kind of 
counter the 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 striking and pressure game of Fernie Garcia. Fernie could get touched up here as well, right? I'm not counting that out, but I do think that if this fight does stay standing for 15 minutes, then yeah, Fernie might look like a slight favorite in that spot. But thankfully, this is mixed martial arts. I think we'll see Journey land a couple of takedowns here, work his jujitsu from on top, and possibly find a submission maybe later in this fight. But uh yeah, I, I do like Journey Newsom here. Um he should be the favorite. He should be maybe the minus 120, minus 130 favorite in the spot. Mad disrespect on my guy, Journey. Uh, and also, if you want to see what you know he brings to the table, just go back and watch his fight with Hakaro Hamos, which was a short notice spot for him. He comes in, although he loses that fight, makes a very good account of himself. The guy's skilled. The guy's talented. Now that he's back, full training camp, I think he'll remind people why uh, he's still inside the UFC. So give me Journey Newsom, uh, and I'm going to... See, I want to say submission, but I, but I'll ultimately go uh, via decision in this spot. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Lupita Godinez going up against Ariane Carnelosi in terms of odds, minus 185 for Godinez and plus 160 for Ariane Carnelosi. This seems like one of those spots that that's my bread and butter. So what I mean by that is women's MMA and then a minus 180-ish favorite. That's exactly what we're getting here with Lupita Godinez. Now, I'm not saying that I want to go out there and bet every minus 180 favorite uh, in women's MMA, right? Because it wouldn't have worked out last week if I took Gina Mazzani, right? You got to pick your spots. But once I do the, the, the actual research here and come out liking a lot what I see from the minus 180 favorite, I'm very inclined to, to make a bet on them. And this is even to the extent of potentially making Lupita Godinez lock of the night play. You know, uh, Carnalosi, she's a solid striker, obviously very powerful. That's the first thing that everybody notices from her. Uh, she has very suspect takedown defense, as we saw in the Na Liang fight. Na Liang is a berserker, right? Uh, I think Godinez is a much better technical wrestler than what Na Liang brought to the table. So I do think she'll be successful in terms of getting this fight to the ground. It might be a little bit sketchy at first. Um it, it, it might be a little sketchier first, given the strength, the slight strength advantage that Carnalosi might have. But once she starts hitting these takedowns at opportune moments, right, changing levels when she needs to, uh, getting to on the hips of uh, Ariane Carnalosi, driving through and just getting these open mat takedowns, I think she'll be successful in doing so. Uh, I think she might look to strike a little bit with Carnalosi to try to give her that false sense of security and then change levels and go for a takedown and then start to grind on her from on top. I think that's absolutely possible here. Now, uh, Carnalosi, she's quite active off of her back, right? At times, like at least early in that fight against Leong, she was active off of her back. But, uh, you know, she's she's absolutely possible in terms of uh, hitting reverses as well, as we saw in the Na-Leong fight. But the difference between Leong and, and Godinez is I think that Leong kind of sells out for submissions. She's more of a submission to, over position girl, whereas Godinez, I think she'll likely settle into, excuse me, She'll settle into the uh, the the uh, the position uh, before looking for these submissions, right? She doesn't want to give up uh, uh, any type of dominant position going for a submission that might not end up happening. And you got to be careful, especially with a girl like Ariane Carnalosi, because like once you get her down, you want to confirm that you have her on the ground and settle on top. Uh, and again, Godina's striking is is it's not bad, right? There's so many fights of hers where she goes out there and just strikes mainly. And I wouldn't recommend that for her here against Carnalosi, who hits 
pretty goddamn hard. But like, there's fights in the past of Carnelosa or uh, of uh, Godinez where I'm like, she should likely grapple here, but she chooses to strike, and you know, she she has success in it. Uh, most notably is the Lindsay Garbat fight, which was on the regional scene, which actually took place up here in Ontario, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the Lindsay Garbat fight, for people that know Lindsay Garbat, I believe she medaled for Team Canada in boxing uh, back in the day, and she beat up uh, Garbat uh, with boxing, strictly boxing, just absolutely lit her up on the feet there. Uh, so I, I trust her striking enough, but I'd be a little bit skeptical if she doesn't shoot takedowns in this fight. So I'm expecting to get her to the ground. I'm expecting her to grind her out, maybe find a submission later in this fight. But I like it. I like her. I like her. I like it. All right. Uh, yeah, Socrates F saying the women's MMA whisperer, a.k.a. Locke. I love it as well. Jared Curry saying, barring the low uh, LOL women's MMA factor, I really love Loopy here. Exactly. And again, this this is something that kind of grinds my gears a little bit is when guys just chalk it up to women's MMA. Oh, you know, this happened because women's, women's MMA. And now, don't get me wrong, there's the armbar from guard situation that seems to happen a lot more in women's MMA than it does in men's MMA. But when there is a fighter with a legitimate advantage over the other, and it looks as clear on tape as it does to you know me and many other people, you got to go for it, and you got to just chalk it up to variance if they go out there and lose. Just as you know, like uh, Purian going out there and getting controlled for three rounds, like you got to chalk it up to variance that shit like that happens. It's just as possible in women women's MMA as it is in men's MMA. So don't take that cop out of it's women's MMA. I heard it all last week, right? Like with the, or sorry, two weeks ago with Macy Barber and Montana Deloroso. Oh, I bet Macy Barber, but it's women's MMA. Montana Deloroso could make it sketchy. She beat her in pretty much every spot in that fight, even in the grappling. <laughs> and that was Montana Deloroso's strength, right? I saw that. I saw that her physicality was going to be enough for her to, to, to deal with whatever advantage that Montana thought she might've had in that fight. I'm expecting the same thing here with Lupita Godinez. I think she, as long as she goes through grappling, she should be safe. She will be competitive in the striking, but I would not recommend that for her at all. All right. Uh, my guy, Bruce Bob Trotter, talking about the uh, Justin fight. Um, yeah, once we get to that fight, I'll, I'll consider your question. So if you're still sticking around at that point, uh, you can ask that question again and I'll get to it. So please try to keep the questions on topic with the uh, the fight that I'm currently on. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Clayton Rodriguez going up against CJ Vergara. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 350 now on Clayton Rodriguez, plus 285 the return on CJ Vergara. Now, Clayton, I think this guy is the shit. I think he truly has the potential to be a top five to seven guy in this division as long as he continues to round out his game pretty well. You know, he's a solid striker, has some solid jujitsu, cardio a little bit questionable, but I do think as he continues to get comfortable against tougher competition, it will come easier and easier to him. On the flip side for CJ Vergara, solid striker, but I just don't think he has the tools to cut it in the UFC. Um uh, you know, uh, he he did go the full 15 minutes against O'Day Osborne, started coming on later in that fight, but it was too little too late. On the uh, contender series, we obviously saw him go out there and start Bruno Cohea, but a lot of his success has to come from that striking and possible finishing upside that he has. Uh, otherwise, it looks like he'll likely uh, start to fade, not fade, but uh, he just can't put together a total performance to get the judges' scorecards if it ever goes to the judges' scorecards, right? Look, just look at his regional record, right? There's 
uh, he has two early wins via decision. Then he gets a finish. Then he goes to a split decision against Jonathan Martinez. Wins uh, a decision against Jose Soto Jr. Again, I believe that guy is not fighting anymore. I believe six and three. Uh, his last MMA fight was 2018. Uh, and then where do we go from there? He goes to a draw against Emerson Garcia, a guy that was one and three at the time, albeit uh, loses via rear naked choke to Devin Miller, then goes on a two, four, five fight winning streak, all via finish. Uh, the Jacob Silva fight, close fight, then eventually gets that finish later in that fight. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Rodriguez is just much more skilled all around. Uh, great striking. He went up against a very tough opponent in Santo Caratolo, who, in my opinion, is a better is better than CJ Vergara. I'd probably take Santo Curatolo against CJ Vergara if that fight ever happened because I wouldn't be surprised if Santo eventually finds himself in the UFC. The kid's very, very skilled. He has a lot to show, a lot to prove. Um, he's had two fights now uh, fall off ever since he uh, took that contender series fight. Hopefully he can get back into the cage and eventually make it to the UFC. But Clayton's the shit. I think he's going to be worth the chalk here. I might even have him in a parlay. I'm not 100% sure yet, but I like uh, Clayton a good bit here. I think he wins this fight via decision. As Vergara has shown, he's quite durable. I did take the under two and a half in, in the last fight as O'Day Osborne was the main variable there in terms of getting a finish, but uh, it didn't come to fruition. I am going with, uh, uh, going with Clayton Rodriguez uh, to win that fight. All right, let's move on to, uh, my, sorry, my guy MPTV seeing here, uh, MPTV saying that CJ is a strong dog here. He's a big dog, so I'm never going to talk anybody off of taking a shot on a plus 200 dog or anything like that. I just don't see it myself. Solid striker, good pressure. I just don't think he's going to be able to hang with the speed and uh, uh, what uh, Clayton Rodriguez brings to the table here. All right, let's move on to the next fight. It's a women's flyweight scrap. It's a fight between Tracy Cortez and Melissa Gatto. Uh, Tracy Cortez coming in as a minus 140 favorite, plus 120 the return on Melissa Gatto. Interesting aspect of this fight is uh, Tracy Cortez started off as a minus 170 favorite. Now she's down to that minus 140 range as a ton of love on Melissa Gatto has come in over the last couple of days. Now I'm a big Tracy Cortez fan, right? I, I, I've cashed on her multiple amount of times in the past. Uh, she has a very strong wrestling game. She does decent work from on top. Her striking still needs a little bit of work, but if she's able to get you to the ground, more than likely she's able to, you know, do some decent work, get some good control time on top. Now, it wasn't a good look for her last time around when she took on Justine Kish. First and foremost, she missed, um, she did miss the, uh, she missed weight last time around against Justine Kish, but she did also uh go out there and still get a win albeit via split decision i was sweating that once we went to the scorecards i definitely remember that uh and, and did not feel good about it justin kish made that fight way too close for comfort but tracy cortez still goes out there and gets her hand raised now melissa gato on the other hand she's done nothing but impress me since coming to the ufc right uh she came in uh against victoria leonardo uh beat her i believe uh um, Leonardo broke her forearm or something like that, and they had to stop it after the second round. And then in her next fight against Jar Eubanks, she gets taken down uh, at least once in that fight. Uh, Eubanks gets a ton of top control time, but um, uh, sorry, but the uh, 
the get ups, the the consistent work off of her back, and then obviously her vicious striking was too much for Sajar Eubanks, uh, allowing Gato to eventually finish that fight. Now, if Tracy Cortez struggles to make weight once again. Things could get iffy for her in the fight, especially if it shows just like it did in the Justine Kish fight because Melissa Gatto is not going to let her rest, man. Melissa Gatto will make her work every second of that fight. She's going to be putting pressure on her. She's going to be attacking the body, and she's just going to keep that pace on her. Obviously, Cortez will land a couple takedowns here and there, but I do think that Gato will do good enough work from bottom to either, one, throw up a submission because we've seen Tracy Cortez get caught in submissions in the past, albeit she never gets finished via submission uh she gets herself into pretty you know close close calls and uh, you don't want to get into a close call with melissa gatu who seems to put everything into her submission attempts when she does go for them and then getting back to her feet hopefully she has a little bit more of an emphasis on that this time around getting back to her feet letting her hands go letting her striking go and then from there she's able to uh uh you know really put it on cortez now, I'm not taking a shot on Melissa Gatto here uh, as an official bet or anything like that, but I am picking her to win. She will be my prediction to win this fight. I think she'll uh, be successful with the striking, really put it on um, uh, Cortez. May not finish her, but I think it will be enough for her to go out there and get the dub. So give me Melissa Gatto. Shout out to my guy Cashflow with the dono uh, saying, please check my message on Twitter. I'll be sure to check that very shortly. Is it very... Um, all right, go. <laughs> I will be sure to reply to your message after this. I appreciate the dono as well, though. Uh, let's see what my guy Jared Curry is saying here. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Jared Curry saying, I like Cortez coming into the week, but a lot of smart people have been on Gato, and now I'm probably off this fight altogether. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay off of it, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bet it myself at all. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to bet it. There's a lot of volatility here. Uh, and, and the way that Gato fights, like you got to be okay with her losing uh, a good chunk of the fight and then eventually coming back and getting the win herself. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go Gato, but no bet for me there. Uh, DJ also saying here, Brito upset Feely, and everybody thinks uh, every hugely outclassed underdog is live. Again, it, it's MMA. Variance is a bitch. <laughs> Uh, Socrates here saying all depends if Cortez can hold her down. I do think she'll be able to get a lot of takedowns. That's inevitable. Takedowns are inevitable in the spot for, for Cortez. It's all about can she establish the, that top position? And if Gato does get back to her feet, will her stri strikes, which I think will, be more effective than Cortez and what she's able to do on the ground? Given how active Gato is whenever there's any space for her uh, off of her back, um, she she does decent work, and I just don't see Cortez getting comfortable enough to truly have success uh, on top of her without either getting reversed, getting stood back up, or even uh, getting caught in a submission of some sort. So, uh, yeah, give me uh, give, give me uh, Gato. Let's see this comment here from Jared Curry saying, I think Cortez will get a wrestling off, but I'm concerned about the striking here and potential activity from Gato on bottom to sway judges' opinions if Cortez isn't active on top. That's another thing, right? It, it's nice to get the takedowns, but what are you going to do with that top position? Because we know that Gato is going to be either throwing up elbows or throwing up submissions. She's going to be active. She's going to be looking for the finish. Will the judges kind of you know, take that more than Cortez just laying on top of her? Looking forward to that. Uh, a large one dream saying that cool bet if she makes weight or not the first time. Oh, uh, cloud bet. It's cloud bet that has the uh, 
make weight prop for uh, for Tracy Cortez. I think it was like minus 230 or something that she does make weight. But uh, yeah, make sure you guys check out CloudBet if you guys want to bet on that prop. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We still got 11 fights to get through. Next up, we got Andre Fialo going up against Cameron Van Camp. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 415 for Andre Fialo, uh, plus 345 the return on Cameron Van Camp. Now, I get it. Andre Fialo, big knockout victory in his last fight against Miguel Baeza. But if he doesn't get that early knockout, things start to get a little tough for him, right? We saw it in the Michel Pereira fight. We've seen it in past fights. If you guys dig even deeper into his record, into his LFA fights, the guy's not a good 15-minute uh, fighter. He's a round one. I don't want to call him round one or bus fighter because I'm sure he can still get wins in rounds two and round three. But Cameron Van Camp, you know, he he's an all-action fighter himself. He likes to get the fight to the ground. He likes to use his jiu-jitsu, likes to strangle folks. And I think he could absolutely strangle Andre Fialo in this spot. I'm having trouble picking a winner here. I absolutely think that this line is a little bit too wide. But I am going to still pick Fialo to win to potentially land that first-round knockout and get the win. But the spot that I like the most is the fight doesn't go to decision at minus 300. Uh, I think there's a solid amount of value, even at minus 300 here, given how both of these guys fight. Let me get the actual statistic here. I should have had this ready for you guys uh, before I went live here. But the actual statistic on uh, the the amount of finishes these guys have had. So in 19 fights for Andre Fialo, only four of them have gone to decision. On the flip side for Cameron Van Camp, out of 20 fights of his, five of them have gone to a decision. So I believe, what is that? 30 out of 39 fights have gone to, a, uh, have finished inside the distance and it's currently sitting at minus 300. So uh, that's what, about 75%. So uh, at minus 300, is that, uh, sorry, let me just, my math uh, is not calculating in my head right now. So minus 300 implied odds are 75%. So yeah, it's pretty accurate then. If you want to talk about uh, like strictly statistics here, it's pretty accurate for it to be sitting at minus 300. I think that's accurate here. I think, um, yeah, I like uh, uh, I like uh, Fialo here, first round knockout, but I'm not counting out a Cameron Van Camp submission. If that submission prop is better than plus 700, I'm going to take a shot on it. Um, but uh, I, I do think Fialo knocks him out in the first round, but give me that fight doesn't go to decision. Uh, GC Hammer Time asking about the you can bet on fighters making weight. It's on CloudBet. Uh, so if you go to the All Stars YouTube channel on, uh, or search up, uh, go to YouTube, search up propping you up UFC 274. You'll see the show that me and Cody did earlier today. Uh, the link to CloudBet is in the description there. Click that, sign up with CloudBet, uh, and then you'll see the uh, the props there. Uh, so make you make sure you check that out. Uh, let's see what my guy MPTV is saying here. Those beautiful chokes won't fly in the UFC from Van Camperschel. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Again, uh, there's no way that Fialo should be a minus 400 favorite here. He'll likely still win. Don't get me wrong. But that line is just extremely uh, over-exaggerated, uh, especially after his last win over uh, Miguel Baeza. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Blagoy Ivanov going up against Marcos Hajirio de Lima. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus uh, 140 for Blagoy and plus 120 the return on Marcos Hajirio de Lima. 
Very intriguing fight here. Delima on a little bit of a run right now, getting that decision victory over Maurice Green a couple months back, and then following that up by finishing Ben Rothwell, which is something that's been very difficult to do over the over the, uh, the entirety of Rothwell's career. So good win for Delima there, but uh, that's really the ghost of uh, Ben Rothwell that he was going up against. Uh, big hitter is Hajario de Lima, right? He throws everything into his strikes. Big calf kicks, big leg kicks, big overhand rights. When he feels like he has a true grappling advantage over his opponents, like he did against Maurice Green, like he did against Adam Wizardcheck, he drags these guys to the mat and just wears on them. I don't think he's going to be able to do that here against Blagoy Ivanov. Ivanov is a great sambo artist. I do think he does a good job in terms of his clinch work, his grappling, his submission game. Uh, his striking game is decent as well. Uh, he's a scrapper, man. He's a very durable scrapper. And the important word there is durable. Uh, he should be able to take the shots of Jalima early here. We've seen him take clean shots from guys like Derek Lewis in the past and continue to move forward. He has godlike chin, right? He is our modern-day uh, Roy Nelson, when Roy Nelson was able to eat way too many shots back in the day. At a certain point, it's going to give up on him. I just don't know if it's going to be here. The other concern is the fact that he's been off for nearly two years, right? Last time we saw him compete was in May of 2020. That was the same month that the UFC came back from the whole COVID issue. If he comes back even looking like 70% of himself, he should go out there and do work against Lima. Mainly, it's all about surviving that first round, making it into a second round, and really wearing on Delima. And I think he's going to be able to do that. I think he'll also be able to get Delima out of there later in this fight. So, which is why I like the uh, the round props here for Blagoy. Uh, round three currently sits at plus uh, 1,000, like me, like it there. Uh, and then even... Uh, even off by decision, that's currently sitting at plus 185. I like that spot. I don't even mind the money line on him at minus 140, minus 150. I'm going to likely take a shot on it, maybe a, like a 1.4 or 1.5 unit play on Blagoy Ivanov, uh, but I think he is rightly favored. I think it could be even more in his favor. He could probably even be a minus 200, minus 250 favorite here. But I think the recency bias on Delima and the way he dispatched with Ben Rothwell is making people a little bit hesitant in terms of taking Blagoy. Also mixing the fact of the, the layoff for Blagoy. If there wasn't a layoff for Blagoy and he still seemed solid, like he still was giving uh, a good account of himself over those last couple fights, I would you know consider him as a lock of the night play. But given those X factors, I would rather just try to win one unit on him and call it a day or lose 1.4 or 1.5 units on him if Delima does truly get him out of there. So, uh, yeah, give me Blagoy, uh, and I think he finishes him later in this spot. Uh, uh, Robot Chicken Wing, shout out to you in here saying uh, Marie Screen and Anthony Rocco Martin fight on Friday. Hopefully they can bounce back. I believe that's both of their first fights since leaving the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. My guy Aaron asking, do you watch Bellator? Just wondering. I do. I just don't put enough time into actually researching their fights to give you know, legitimate advice in regards to uh, wagering on them or anything like that. Like, I'll throw in a couple of the big favorites that I fully believe are, like, locks, essentially, without running any tape. But, uh, yeah, not not a big guy there. Jared Curry saying, uh, I'd rolled Lima around 1KO plus 800 as a small unit sprinkle because that feels like his best way to win. That's a great hedge opportunity, right? That is an absolutely great hedge opportunity on the uh, the Delima side uh, in case you're not overly confident on uh, on Blagoy Ivanov. I might do that as well. I don't know. Well, I'll consider it. I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. Excuse me. But I'll likely be going with Blagoy 
Ivanov. All right, let's move on to the next fight. We got one of my favorite fighters in the UFC in the flyweight division, Raw Dog Brandon Royval going up against Matt Schnell. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 235 for Raw Dog, plus 200 the return on Matt Schnell. The line that I want to draw your attention to is the under two and a half at minus 145. I think that's very live here. And I think it's live in pretty much any um uh pretty much any of the uh Brandon Roy Val fights, right? It paid off for me in the uh what's that fight? Uh the Alejandro Pantoja fight. It didn't pay off in the Bontreen fight, but it's one of those spots where I feel like if I keep going back to the well, it's gonna be more fruitful than not. And I feel like this is one of those spots where it can be fruitful. Match now, technically the better fighter, right? He does everything just slightly better in terms of technique, boxing, jujitsu, all that stuff. But the chaotic nature that Brandon Royval brings to the table is very difficult for a lot of people to deal with. Perfect example is Kai Car France. That's a great performance against Askar Askarov uh, in his last fight. But when he was put up against uh, Brandon Royval, he just could not keep up with the chaos that Royval was introducing in that cage. And I'm expecting the same thing to happen here against Matt Schnell. Match now, like I said, uh, he's a guy that I've you know kind of looked to back in the past. Uh, he does solid things. Uh, his chin is a little bit of an issue at times, but uh, in this spot against Roy Val, I think he's just going to struggle to keep up with Brandon. I think he's just going to be like, "What the fuck is coming at me?" All this spinning stuff, flying stuff, you know, elbows, all that stuff, uh, pulling guard, uh, going for takedown, whatever it is. Brandon Royval will put it on you. I'll make it very difficult for you to breathe and endure it. And that's why I like breading the unders in Royval fights because he even gets to the point where he leaves himself vulnerable to getting finished or put out or choked or whatever the hell it is. And Shell is absolutely capable of finding those submission uh, opportunities or finding the, that perfect combination to uh, to hurt Brandon Royval uh, on some of his uh, you know chaotic entries that he likes to do. So uh, yeah. Uh, the the pick is still going to be Roy Val. Uh, I, it's just too difficult for me to trust him at minus 235, minus 240, considering how he fights and how often he puts himself into danger. And even against a guy like Danger Match Snell, uh, I, I am a little bit concerned. But I'm still going to pick Roy Val to win this fight. I believe I have him listed roughly around 70% here. Uh, let me just pull it up. Uh, Roy Val, yeah, I have him listed at 70%, so it's slightly accurate where this line is currently at, but uh, give me the give me violence instead. Give me the under two and a half. Fight doesn't go to decision. I believe that's currently sitting around minus, minus 170 at certain spots. I might eat that extra bit of chalk just to get that extra two and a half minutes because funnily enough, I've been burned by those last two and a half minutes a couple times over the last several months, so uh, I'd rather just eat a little extra of that chalk because I do think that this fight does finish inside the distance. I do think it will be uh, Roy Val that gets his hand raised out. Pepe Silvia in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by, my friend. Uh, Socrates talking about doing uh, PRP. Cody does PRPs for Bellator and PFL. That is true. Mushroom in the chat saying, what's up, Locke? Finally off uh, work hours and you're on uh, work hours lineup. Exactly. Uh, I, I don't normally do, uh, you know, uh, streams in the evening anymore, right? Since I've been doing this thing full time, I like to do it during the day uh, so I can spend the evening with the wife and all that. It also gives you guys more time to kind of ingest it at your own leisure, at your own time. But it's also great to kind of see the support in the live chat as well. So shout out to you guys. Um, Marcus Williams in the chat, one of my diehards right there. Shout out to my guy, Marcus. Truly appreciate his support. Uh, Jorge Montero saying, at this price, Chanel has values. And he's saying, Judas, love it. Uh, Josh Benedict saying Roy Val inside the distance. I like that bet. 
BP, I know you're asking for future predictions, but we're talking about 274, my friend. Let's keep it on 274. Zach Johnson in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by as well, my friend. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Macy Kiasong going up against Norma Dumont. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 220 on Norma Dumont, plus 185 on Macy Kiasong. I like me some Dumont here. I really do like me some Kia, uh, uh, Dumont. Uh, you know, I think she's the better striker. I think her physicality will allow her to kind of negate what Macy Kiasan has been so good at, which is bullying her opponents, using her own physicality against much weaker opponents and just, you know, getting them to the ground and just roughing them up in the clinch, just as she did with Shanna Young, just as she did with uh, Sarah Morass. Like, there's a lot of uh, moments and evidence of her just being good at being the bigger fighter. But now she's going up against a thick, Norma Dumont, she's going to very much struggle in terms of asserting her dominance there. My one question mark, though, is if uh, this becomes a strictly kickboxing match and Macy Kiasan just gets ahead on numbers. That's my main concern. That's why I'm not so keen on betting Norma Dumont at minus 220. However, I do think she should be the one landing the better strikes, the more significant strikes, maybe even getting a, a knockdown. That wouldn't surprise me at all here. You know, Kiasan still quite raw, even though she has a handful of UFC fights under her belt to this point. I think Dumont is just a, a slightly better striker at this point in time. And then when they get into the clinch, I wouldn't be surprised if Dumont is the stronger of the two either. So, uh, yeah, give me Dumont. Uh, give me fight goes to decision as well. I do think that this will be a, a little bit of a back and forth fight, some clinching, some grappling, some distance striking, but uh, not to the extent that I think either woman gets an actual finish here. So minus 220 for the fight goes to decision. I completely understand that. Dumont winning via decision plus 100. I don't mind that either. I would rather take that shot than take the minus 220 on her. But uh, the pick here is Dumont to win this fight. Joshua Frick asking, when when do we get Lucky Late Night back? Uh, I don't know. I, I got to figure that out. Today, I've recorded so goddamn much that I'm surprised my voice is still with me. But uh, yeah, I'll try to bring that back very shortly. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, Mushroom saying Dumont third third round slash uh, decision. I don't mind that. That's uh, That's a damn good possibility. Uh, MPTV saying the only thing that scares me is Dumont not doing well against the other tall girls. She fought Megan Anderson uh, again. I, to me, I thought that was a little bit of an early stoppage. She gets hit once, she drops, give her an opportunity to recover because I think if she recovered, she likely goes on to beat Megan Anderson. Uh, Macy Kiasan, I don't think she can generate the amount of power that Megan Anderson does, right? Megan Anderson's a big girl, and it's weird to me that people are comparing the two because. I don't think they're similar at all. Sure, she's tall, but I don't know if she can generate the type of power that Megan Anderson was able to. So, uh, yeah, I think that comparison is is null in this uh, in this spot. Zach Johnson saying, been burned too many times this year with the women's MMA. I'm a pass on all but Rose. Women's MMA is not as hard to call as most people expect. Just saying. Uh, Frank Jodain saying Dumont is a rightful favorite, but I got a sixth sense that Macy posed the upset. Uh, again, I think the line is a little bit too wide, so I wouldn't mind people taking shots on Macy Kiasson just to get some value there. Um, yeah, I see it. Joshua Frick saying you and John Kelly been on YouTube all day. Love it. Yeah, I know my guy John Grindin as well. That guy's gonna that guy's gonna surpass me. So if he hasn't already, he's gonna surpass me. That guy's a great dude, sharp dude. Uh, and, and I like everything that he's doing over there. So shout out to him as well. 
<laughs> PSSA 131 saying, do you think the Sixers win at least one? If they don't get Embiid, they're not winning anything at all. Elijah Dream saying, yeah, you've been going ham all day. Tano, and you haven't even seen half of it. I did recordings with uh, Tyson Chartier and Cody Donovan to start off my day. Uh, and then I still got to do recordings for the Coach's Main Event Marathon, which I have to edit by the end of the day as well, too. So plenty to do. Uh, that's why I wanted to do the podcast live today, so I didn't have to edit it. I can just put it out. Sorry, record it, put it out, and it's out for you guys. That's it. All right. Let's get back on track here. Next fight up. We got Francisco Trinaldo going up against Danny Roberts. Uh, it was a pick'em the last time I checked, and it is still a pick'em to this point. Minus one ten on both sides. Uh, I hate myself for picking him, but I'm going Danny Roberts. Uh, I do think he's the better fighter here, at least at this stage of their career. Um, you know, he should be able to put out output, uh, put up the numbers, stick and move as best as possible, try to stay away from the power of Trinaldo. Trinaldo is definitely definitely slowing down, and that obviously has to do with his age as well. I just want to confirm that uh, I believe he's like 43 now. If I'm not, yeah, 43 years old. He'll be 44 in August. Um, he's slowing down, as we can see over his last couple of fights, but he still has that knockout power, which I think is going to be important here because I do think he could find the chin of Danny Roberts at a certain point and find that knockout of his own, right? It's uh, You can get somewhere between plus 450 and plus 550 for Trinaldo to win via knockout. Um, that's the only shot I would take on this fight. Other than that, you know, that that's a very... It's unlikely that happens, but at plus 500, I'd be willing to take the shot. Um, otherwise, I think Daniel Roberts lights up Francisco Trinaldo. Younger, faster, more agile. As long as his durability holds up, he should have no tr problems against Trinaldo here. But there is no way that I'm trusting the chin of Daniel Roberts because sometimes all it takes is one. Pick is Daniel Roberts, but I'm staying the hell away from that fight. Uh, Justin... J4Y saying, howdy, Locke. Good evening, chat. Greetings from Mount Rushmore. Love it. I love it. All right. All right. All right. Let's keep this train moving along. Next up, we got the prelim headliner. Big fight here. We got Randy Brown going up against Chaos Williams. Uh, big, big fight here in terms of odds. We currently have minus one. Uh, why can't I find it? There it is. Minus 125 on Chaos Williams, plus 105 on Randy Brown. Now, I think the, the wrong guy is favored, right? Chaos Williams, he's improving. Don't get me wrong. He's starting to really round out his game. But I think the better striker here is Randy Brown. He uses his tools and his weapons a lot better than what uh, Chaos Williams brings to the table. And his output may be too much for Chaos here. Uh, his movement, sticking and moving, they have the big cage as well. I think the leg kicks and the front kick of Randy Brown will allow him to continue to establish that distance striking of his, uh, keeping Chaos Williams on the outside, making it difficult for Chaos to get off those bombs and and hurt and, and, and drop Randy Brown. Now, it's absolutely possible, right? It's possible that Chaos Williams can get off on him and, and land that knockout blow. Uh, Chaos Williams by knockout currently sits at plus 175. Uh, but I lean on the Randy Brown side here, man. I think his more disciplined approach will keep him safe and allow him to put up more numbers here on Chaos Williams. He moves the cage very well. His Muay Thai clinch is not that bad either. He uses his knees very well. I think he has a better jujitsu game uh, if this fight does hit the mat too. Um, and I just think he's the better overall fighter. I think he has the better gas tank to go the full 15 minutes and continue to rack up output for the entirety of that 15 minutes. 
defense, whereas Chaos Williams will be looking to kind of, you know, get that get that bomb off. He will, you know, put some numbers up of his own. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's going to slowly start to get frustrated, and then he's going to start to rely on his power, hoping to either knock down or knock out Randy Brown to get the fight back into his favor. But I just don't see it happening. The fact that he's the favorite, again, I think a lot of people are reading into the power that Chaos Williams has, but I think Rodney Brown should be able to avoid that big power and eventually get that win himself. So give me rude boy, Randy Brown. I like it. Uh, Jorge Montero saying, has anyone noticed that lately judges have been more into the striking impact instead of volume? Anyone can back this up. Um you know, there's obviously, I think it's the optics, right? Like, if we want to talk about the Chito Vera and uh, Rob Font fight from this past week, it was the fact that Chito visibly rocked him, visibly dropped him, all those things. That's why it, you know, goes over the volume. Uh, if you can give me other examples, I'd be willing to, you know, either uh, agree with your take or disagree with your take. But that's the one that comes to mind as of late. Oh, MPTV saying Randy Brown has a bigger tool belt. That's for sure. I agree. Uh, Mr. D saying that's the way it actually should be. Scoring criteria reads damage from saw, not the number of strikes. I agree on that. Josh Benedict is saying KS Williams has been training training with Trevor Whitman. I may have missed out on that. Let me see if I can quickly pull up his IG and see if there's uh, any evidence of that. Yeah, he's uh, training alongside Justin Gaethje. Interesting. Very intrigued to see how uh, how he does. Well, he also spent time down at Jackson's, it looks like, because uh, he does have a picture with uh, with John Jones there. Maybe not at Jackson's, sorry. I wonder what that was. Huh. Doesn't really say what that was. Uh, yeah, interesting. Interesting. If he has been spending this whole camp with Trevor Whitman, Interested to see how that impacts his game. Uh, but he needs to continue rounding out his game. Uh, and he has the potential to do so. But we shall see. All right. Let's move on to the main card here. First and foremost, shout out to the, what we have, 60 live viewers right now. Appreciate you guys hanging with your boy. Again, a little bit of an impromptu stream. I wish I got the word out a little bit late, earlier so we can get some more people in here. But appreciate you guys hanging with your boy. Make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe to show your support. Um, also want to shout out CoolBet. Uh, make sure you guys use the promo code MMALOTN2, and they will match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks, like you guys see there. CoolBet's a great betting website based out of Toronto here, which is why I really fuck with them. Uh, great props. You can parlay the props. Uh, a ton of other great sports that you can bet on. They have a lot of analytical tools where you can go back and look at what you've been betting on, how successful you've been betting on it. Uh, they have a scoreboard as well. It, it's great. I love CoolBet. Make sure you guys use the promo code MMALOTN2 and they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks. And then I got to say it, got to drop the Patreon. Patreon, link in the description below, five bucks a month. Uh, a ton of great betting content, best bets and props article, uh, a solid Discord community. Um, a, a couple other things that I'm going to be adding on there very shortly, uh, not to mention the pay-per-view parlay for the patrons, which I'll be dropping later this evening, which is pretty much, I take 5% of what I make off of uh, Patreon on a monthly basis, put it on a parlay of the Patreon's uh, choosing. I put out a survey and let people pick their four best spots on the card. I parlay it all together on fight day. If it hits, I go live with the Patreon crew the next day and give away the winnings uh, to a random Patreon member as well. So uh, another great reason for you guys to hit that up. So please do check out the Patreon if you do want to 
uh, hit uh, if you do want to support your boy for the content that I drop for you guys on a weekly basis. All right, let's now that we got that out of the way, let's get into the main card here. First fight of which is Donald Cowboy Cerrone going up against Joe Lozon. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 175 for Donald Cerrone, plus 150 the return on Joe Lozon. Again, some two old timers here going up against each other. Very uh, weird matchup. Very, I, I don't want to say it's weird matchmaking because if these guys are to fight, I'm glad they're fighting each other, right? You don't want to put up Donna Cowboy Sorney against the Chaos Williams. You don't want to put up Joe Lozon against uh, Randy Brown at this point of their careers, right? These are these are good matchups for each other. Now, I do lean the Cowboy Sorney side of things here. My only concern is the fact that he always has a slow start. And Joe Lozon, not the greatest cardio. We've been seeing him get stopped later in fights uh, recently outside of that last win that he had against Jonathan Pierce. But if he is to win, he knows that he has to push that gas right from the jump, and he could likely find that early finish of Cowboy Cerrone, which gives me a little bit of pause in terms of having ultimate confidence on the Cerrone side. But if Cerrone is smart, he's the much better striker. He should be able to manage his distance decently here, keeping Joe Lozon on the outside. And then once he finds his groove with his striking, he's going to start to put it on Joe Lozon and then eventually put him out. If the odds were closer here, I'd likely take the shot on uh, on on Cowboy Cerrone. But that that first three minutes, first first four minutes, is going to be such a sweat. Which is why I don't mind the under two and a half here at minus one eighty. I do think that there's going to be violence here. I think one person or the other is going to get the finish. Either it's Jolo's on early uh, or Donald Cerrone a little bit later. I am banking more so on the Donald Cerrone side. I will also say this. I, I wish I remember who it was that shouted it out on one of my streams earlier today, but they did say Lozon via KO round one currently sits at uh, plus 1,400. Uh, I'm seeing plus 600 now on uh, on Bet Online, plus 1,400 on FanDuel. I think that plus 1,400 is not too bad of a hedge if you do end up being exposed on the Cowboy Cerrone side. I'm going Cowboy. I think he finishes uh, Lozon a little bit later in this fight. I think Lozon starts to slow down. I think he starts uh, eating too much damage, and then he eventually gets finished in this fight. Give me the under two and a half. I like it. Uh, let's see what else we got here. <laughs> Coat Bob being a little bit of a troll. Uh, Lozon early, Cerrone late. Mushroom is on the nose with that one. Uh, Jared Curry saying round one, KO plus 600. Not bad. Um, but mushroom likes the under two and a half, even the under one and a half. Elijah One Dream saying a loser gets cut too. Apparently, loser should just retire. Don't let yourself get cut, just retire. <laughs> Nathan Pietras, uh, saying, I feel like uh, Cerrone won't let it go to decision when or lose. I feel like he's about to leave it all in there, not to mention the uh. Uh, not not to mention the 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 added incentive of having his kid uh, being at the fight. Right, he got very emotional yesterday at the at the weigh-ins talking about it. Or sorry, not at the weigh-ins at the press conference. So maybe he just wants to go out there and show up for his kid. So we'll see. Uh, Goats saying uh, Vegas hoping the fight at minus three hundred for Stroni. I think it's actually a good price on Stroni now. Yeah, uh, a lot of people are thinking that Stroni's broken, that he can just be finished early, like he was against Alex Morono. But I just don't think that Lozon has what it takes with the striking to give him that type of trouble. All right, let us move on to the next fight. Here we are looking at uh, Oven Saint Prue going up against my favorite fighter of all time, Mauricio Shogun Hua. 
in terms of odds. Obvious chalk on St. Prue, minus 235, plus 200 the return on Maurizio Hua. Now, when they first competed way back in 2014, Shogun was actually the favorite there, minus 150, minus 160. Uh, and Ovin St. Prue goes in there and just absolutely starches him in 34 seconds. Uh, that's where we got the famous skateboard gif. Uh, if you guys remember that one where somebody it looks like somebody threw a, a skateboard into the cage and Shogun slips and gets knocked out. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of see it going the same way. Now, Shogun, you know, with 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 age comes wisdom. And we've been seeing it in some of the fights where he goes out there and actually, um, uh, you know, uses grappling and uses clinching to kind of slow down fights like he did against Paul Craig, like he did against Antonio Algerio Noguera, like, uh, like he did against Tyson Pedro. Like, that's very smart work from him there. Great fight IQ, but I just don't think he can do it anymore. You know, I'm 40 years old, and I get it. Ovin St. Pru isn't a spring chicken himself, but he's still explosive and powerful enough to find that Shinam Shogun Hua and put him down. And according to the press conference that he did yesterday or the, the media day that he did, he wants to go out there and try to replicate that, man. He wants to go out there and try to make it look even more impressive than his last fight. That leads me to believe that he knows he can go out there and just, as soon as he touches the chin of Shogun, unload on your strikes, and you're likely going to get the finish. Because the, the, the striking of Shogun is just slow. It's plodding. Like, it's just not there anymore. If this fight get, gets extended, that's where Shogun could potentially show some, uh, show some fight. But I would rather play the uh, the the live line on Shogun there because you'll likely get plus four hundred plus five hundred going into round two, uh, especially with the amount of success I expect Ovin St. Prue to have early in this fight. For me though, violence. Let's bet the violence. Why bet minus two thirty on Ovin St. Prue, who could absolutely shit in your apple pie, as my guy Cody Saftik would say? But you're getting roughly the same line for the fight to not go to decision as you are betting uh, Ovin St. Prue money line. So I'd rather take the fight doesn't go to the decision there. I do think Ovin St. Prue starches in relatively easily here. Uh, St. Prue round one currently sits at plus 200. I think that's a damn good spot as well. It hurts for me to talk about Shogun like this, but St. Prue is the side here. He's going to go out there. He's going to land on the chin and put him out. That's it. That is absolutely it. Uh, let's see what questions we got here. Mushroom saying fight doesn't go to decision main card parlay. I don't mind that. I really don't mind that. Maybe even with the exception of the uh, Carla fight, but I don't mind that at all. Um, uh, Ferris talking about, uh, remember when the dude's dad who was sick came out, the guy got carried on the second round like two months again on a fight card. I think you're talking about the... Uh, uh, Mike Grundy fight against Samir Khani where his turn-ill father was like cage side and uh, it happened in London and Grundy got choked out within like the first minute and a half or so. So yeah, maybe it, it depends on how fighters take that type of motivation, right? My guy Uncle Weezy in the chat, appreciate you stopping by my friend. Socrates, I was saying Cody made a good point on this fight. It all depends on how OSP looks on the scale. Personally, I, I won't take too much from the weigh-ins. I, I really think that OSP just has to turn on the burners, and he knows that, land a couple shots on Shogun, and he can put him out. Um, Socrates saying going down from a heavyweight after he struggled to make 205 before his heavyweight change. Yep, again, makes sense. Goats saying, uh, or neither of them get the finish or get a slop fest. That would be bad. That would be so bad. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next fight here. A couple fights left. 
We got uh, next up a, a barn burner. We got Michael Chandler going up against Tony Ferguson. Uh, minus 400 on Michael Chandler, plus 300 on Tony Ferguson. Now, I just want to reel some people back a little bit, right? I get it. Tony Ferguson's watch has not looked like himself, especially during this entire COVID era. But the, a couple of things that I just want to lay out for you guys to put things into perspective. Tony Ferguson has pretty much always fought like he has, right? He's a wild man. He fights almost like Brandon Royval. Very unorthodox with the striking, uh, crafty jujitsu, but sometimes, you know, might not pay off for him at times. But that's how he always fights, right? Go back and watch the Danny Castillo fight from UFC 174. I believe that was the night that he fought him way back in the day. He spent the entire fight on his back, but wanted off his back because he was the more active guy throwing up strats and submission attempts off of his back. Danny Castillo, obviously not as good jujitsu as Charles Oliveira and Benio Darius, which is why those guys had much more success holding him down. And that's the other part of this argument that I want to make for Tony Ferguson is that is, is Michael, we know Michael Chandler is a great wrestler, but how is his jiu-jitsu in terms of holding down a guy like Tony Ferguson dealing with the unorthodox nature of what Ferguson is going to try to do off of his back? And will Michael Chandler even wrestle? Because what if he doesn't wrestle? What if he just goes out there and tries to sling buggalos and, and tries to swing that letter, trying to find that knockout? I see that. I think that's what he's going to try to do. And he could land on Tony Ferguson and he could put his lights out. That's absolutely possible. But what if he doesn't put his lights out? How is he going to react to that unorthodox nature, nature and movement and, and style of Tony Ferguson on the feet? He could get clipped with something. We saw uh, Charles Oliveira put him out, not put him out, but finish him via, via punches. Tony Ferguson, I think, could muster up enough energy and power just like uh, Charles Oliveira did to clip Michael Chandler and put him put him down and put him out. It's absolutely possible. Minus 400 doesn't cut it for me. I, I, don't, I don't like that line at all here on Michael Chandler. He should win. He should get the dub here. But can we go out there and bank on the fact that he's going to use his wrestling to try to stifle Tony Ferguson? When's the last time he's done that? He seems to be a guy that's more so of a fan favorite now, tries to fight in a fan-friendly style, try to give the fans what they want. I'm leaning fight doesn't go to decision more than anything here. I don't know if I'll, I'll bet it because if Chandler knows what's good for him, he's going to go out there and try to wrestle fuck uh, Tony Ferguson into the mat here. He, that's what he should do. He's one and two in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. He doesn't want to be one and three. Try to take a safe way, ground Ferguson, you know, land some good shots, try to stay active. That's what you got to do. Minus 400 is just a little bit too crazy for me. I'm not going to the betting window to bet on this version of Tony Ferguson. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I would rather sprinkle maybe Tony Ferguson via submission at plus 750. I think that has some legs. But I think it's actually going to be Michael Chandler who starches him on the feet here nice and early. I think he finds that chin pretty easily here and puts him out. I'm going uh, Chandler first round knockout. The only thing I'd look to bet on that fight is either uh, Ferguson sub plus 750 or fight doesn't go to decision at minus 180. Those are two spots I like here. I think there is going to be a finish. There's an argument that a decision could be had here, but I think given how these guys match up, given the style that Chandler's been fighting with, I think there's going to be a fight doesn't go to decision here. All right, let's see uh, a bunch of comments here now. All right, uh, we we got a we got a bit of a weirdo in the chat that I just want to get rid of real quick. <laughs> I've never really understood what that dude's uh, fascination is with me. Like he seems to be supportive, but uh, just a little bit too weird in the chat at times. All right, let's see what people are saying here. 
Olajuwon um, well, Dream saying uh, Chandler has won the fans over, but he really needs a win to fight. Yeah, he needs to, to win a fight. No, I absolutely agree. Um, goats exactly saying the way Chandler fights has been the way Chandler has been fighting. I don't love him here at minus one four hundred. I agree. Uh, Mushroom saying Ferguson decision that is very ballsy. Goat saying he still probably wins on the feet, but it's still more sketchy. I agree. Um. Nathan saying if it goes to a decision, uh, it's likely Chandler. I could see that. Jared Curry saying round three, Ferguson, KO plus 3,300. This card is speaking to my deep inside with all these props. I don't mind that either. I really don't mind that. Um, Jorge Montero saying uh, anyone trusting Ferguson getting any better in his own gym? Chandler is at Sanford. It's very tough to, to cap that, honestly. Frank Jodain saying, just when I'm finally done with Alcoquia, I get pulled back in. Exactly. Um, all right. Let me continue on with this here. Um, okay. Uh, in regards to the Chandler durability debate that I've been seeing on a lot of my streams, I get it. He went the full 50 minutes with Justin Gaethje, but he has been knocked out in the past. Like, it's not something that hasn't happened in the past, right? Uh, Will Brooks finished him 2014. Uh, he had that weird stoppage against Brent Primus. I know it was an ankle injury, but still got stopped. Got stopped by Patricio Pipple in 2019. Got knocked out by Charles Oliveira. I'm surprised Justin Gaethje didn't finish him. There are so many opportunities and opportunities for him to do so. Again, sometimes your chin shows up, sometimes it doesn't. According to, um, according to uh, statistics, he's been knocked out more times uh, in his losses than he's lost via decision. So yeah, we shall see. All right, uh, like I said, official uh, prediction is Chandler Chandler knockout. But I think my favorite play would be the fight doesn't go to decision. All right. Let's move on to the co-main event here. Women's strawweight fight. Rematch of a fight that took place way back. I wanted to say it was 2014, was it not? Uh, yeah, December of 2014. Uh, Rose Namajunas uh, came in as uh, pretty much a pick em fight that night. Uh, she did end up losing that night to Carla Esparza via third round rear naked choke. Now Rose gets her chance at redemption as a minus 205 favorite and the return excuse me, the return on Caller Esparza, plus 175. I am seeing nothing but love for Carlos Esparza on my Twitter feed over the last couple of days to the point that people are just, I'm placing my biggest bet on it. That's like what I'm hearing from people. They're that confident on Carlos Esparza. And I get it, right? Wally Zhang lands five takedowns. She's not able to get the win, but she lands five takedowns. Now you got a better wrestler in Carlos Esparza landing takedowns. That's a possibility. Now, the thing, again, some food for thought that I want to throw out there for you guys is uh, with Wiley Zhang, you're getting a fighter that has great striking and a decent wrestling game. So there's more things that Rose needs to be prepared for. Whereas with this fight with Carlos Esparza, we know that Carlos striking is, let's be honest, below average. Rose will definitely have the advantage in that aspect. 
So she has to just mainly focus on the, t the, the takedowns that are going to be coming her way. Now, don't get me wrong. I know Carla will land a couple of takedowns here. I just don't think she'll be as effective with it as she was in her last couple of fights or even in the, uh, uh, the, the first fight that they had. Rose can be taken down. That's without a doubt. But I think she's gotten much better than what we saw from back then. I want to give my guy Danny Legs a little bit of shit for uh, tripping a little bit, saying that, oh, MMA Twitter beta is saying that Rose is much improved from before. She is improved. There's no way you can watch. Um, there's no way you can watch her fight with Carla Esparza and then watch what she's been doing recently and saying she hasn't made improvements. She's made improvements. Her striking has gotten better. Her range management has gotten much better. Now, if she can keep that together, you know, maybe work her way back to her feet sometimes, be active off of her back with her jujitsu, maybe hit a reversal or two, things could get uh, things could get very dicey for Carla Esparza. But I do like Rose here. Not to the extent of betting her, though, because I will admit that minus 205 line is a little bit too wide. Carla deserves her flowers. Carla deserves a little bit more respect. It's It's just... It, yeah, it, I, I've bet on Carla in, in the last handful of fights, and she's obviously, I believe, on a five-fight winning streak at this point. She was an underdog in three of those fights. I, ca I believe I cashed on every single one of those. She's a good fighter. I just don't know if she'll be able to deal with the striking of, of Rose here, and, and I think that's where she's going she's gonna to falter. One thing with Carla is she does a good job in terms of holding her opponents down, but she doesn't do much damage from on top, right? When she does start doing damage, she gets up on her feet and she starts raining down shots by stacking her opponent. But when she does that, uh, her opponents are able to get their feet on her hips, push her away and get back to her feet. And that's something that Rose has been doing in fights where she's getting taken down. Anytime she gets a little bit of space, she gets her feet on their hips, pushes them away and gets back to her feet. So I'm expecting Carla to, you know, shoot desperation takedowns, right? Look, look at the Michelle Watterson fight. She she won that fight, but I think it, you know, I think it was a, it was a close fight, very close fight. Could have gone either way there, but her takedowns, her entries were very very sloppy. If she's going to be sloppy here against Rose, she's going to pay for it. So I get the confidence on the Carla Esparza side. It's a great line, you know. Hats off to you guys taking the Carla Esparza side. I'm not betting Rose Namajunas, so I can't, you know, talk too much shit or say anything like that. But I do think Rose wins. The spot that's actually most intriguing to me is the under four and a half. Plus 135 uh, on the under four and a half here is not too bad of a bet. You know, that covers an obvious uh, Rose TKO finish, which is absolutely possible. She has very deceiving uh, power for being a 115-pounder. Carla Esparza, if she is going to be as you know, successful as most people think she'll likely find that finish as well, whether it's getting Rose in the crucifix position or finding that back and finding that choke. But I think that Rose will be prepared for that. I think she'll be able to get out of those bad positions, get back to the feet, and then get back to work with her handiwork. So give me Rose and still. Let's see uh, quickly what the uh, chat is saying here. Olajuwon Dream saying, after watching Propping You Up, and you guys saying Carla looked gas after three rounds and she has never been in championship rounds, I bet Rose three, four, or five, and decision. Uh, I don't know. Was it was it Cody that said that? Because I, I think that the narrative of Carla gassing out is a little bit overblown. Because she was the champion in, in Invicta before she went on to the Ultimate Fighter, if most people remember, right? And she had a handful of victories that went five rounds there. 
Um, let me just pull up a couple of the ones here. Uh, the Beck Rawlings fight. Yeah, sorry. It was only the Beck Rawlings fight where she went the full five rounds um, and, and beat Beck Rawlings there. She's gone five rounds. Yeah, that, sorry. That was the only fight. where. She, and then obviously the uh, the Rose fight was scheduled for five rounds. The Ioana fight was scheduled for five rounds, but she never got to the, to the championship rounds there. The only fight that she's looked gas in recent memory was the uh, sorry the Alexa Grasso fight, but that fight was taking place at altitude in Mexico City. That's where Cain Velasquez, you know, lost his title to Fabricio Verduma, a guy known to have major cardio. So I, I don't think that Carla has cardio issues per se. Maybe it was uh, Cody that said that because I I don't recall saying anything like that myself. But I do think that Rose can start to pull away the later that this fight goes. And uh, yeah, I, I think she wins. Let's just quickly see if there's anything that I need to touch upon. Uh, Creeping Danks saying Carla's shooting singles from 13 feet away and going to get it done here. Jared TG saying her footwork has improved 10 times. That is absolutely very important in this fight as well. Because if you go back and watch that first fight, you know, very sloppy work from her there. That was before she started working with Trevor Whitman, if I'm not mistaken. And she's just, you know, sloppy kicks, sloppy footwork, all that, which allowed Carla Esparza to get those takedowns. And yeah, I get it. Wiley Zhang landed takedowns as well. But there's more to worry about with Wiley Zhang than there is with Carla Esparza. Uh, Jorge Montero asking about the Propping You Up show. Uh, search the All-Star or... Just go on YouTube, search "Propping You Up UFC 274." It's going to be on the All Star Show. It's a, it's a publication that actually brought me and Cody on full time over there, uh, to to do the show on on their channel. So make sure you guys go check them out. Every Thursday, we're going to be on the All Star. Me and Cody. Make sure you guys go check that out. All right, we'll take this one last question here from MPTV, and go from there. Rose is going to be on her bike more than Zhang fight. Uh, the only problem is there's no such bike for Carla. Carla will get taken down and control her just like the first fight. We'll get the takedown and control her like the first fight. Maybe. Maybe. It's possible. Pete G saying, just my two cents, but Rose has been more prone to slow down uh, in later fights than Carla. Does she, though? Like, yeah, the Jessica Andrade fight, but that was her first fight back after an extended layoff and getting fucking slammed on her head by Jessica Andrade in the fight before that. Uh, she won the latter rounds against Wiley Zhang, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if you can give me any other... Yeah, I know, uh, yeah, Joanna was starting to pull away in her fight, but I do believe Rose won that fifth round, if I'm not mistaken. It should be a good fight. Should be a good test for Rose. Maybe Carla gets it done. Maybe she doesn't. I'm not betting that fight. Maybe the under four and a half, but that's about it. All right, let us move on to the main event. Shout out to the 70 live viewers that we currently have. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe to show the minimal amount of support you guys can if you guys want to go um, and go that extra mile to show your boys some support. Hit up the Patreon. Link is in the description below. Five bucks a month. Great Discord community. Best bets and props article, as well as a bunch of other great things on there for you guys. Make sure you guys check that shit out. Link is in the description below. Five bucks a month. Easy peasy, right? Lemon squeezy. All right. Main event time. Lightweight strap on the line here. We got Charles Dobronx Oliveira going up against Justin Gaethje. In terms of odds, we got minus 170 for Charles Oliveira, plus 150 to return on Justin Gaethje. Great, great fight here. Can't wait to see how this one goes down. But one thing that seems to be constant in Charles Oliveira fights is violence. Outside of the Tony Ferguson fight, 
in the last 16 fights for Charles Oliveira, only one of them has hit the over two and a half mark. More often than not, his fights finish inside the distance, whether it's him getting finished or him finding the finish. The guy is a notorious finisher inside the UFC. 15 UFC submission victories to his name. That is the record right now. The record, uh, or sorry, the person holding number two is Damian Maya at 11. So he has a legit stranglehold on that record. I'd be very surprised if anybody ends up breaking that. But Charles Oliveira is vicious when it comes to his jiu-jitsu, even to the point that he can hop on your back and eventually find the rear naked choke, just like he did against Dustin Poirier. The main issue with Charles Oliveira in the past has been his, uh, you know, lack of ability to fight through uh, adversity. That's kind of always been the 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 flaw in his uh, game or the chink in his armor right people would always say that he, he's going to eventually quit if, if, if he faces any adversity but he's really starting to shut those naysayers up myself included right gets dropped and hurt by michael chandler early in their fight comes back and finishes them in the second round gets dropped early by dustin poirier in his fight back in december comes back in the third round finds the finish and still catches the under two and a half I like the under two and a half here, man. Justin Gaethje is going to be a tough customer. He's going to be tough to put away. But if this, if Charles does get his back, I do think he can eventually find that submission. But the striking is going to be brutal on both sides. Charles is going to try to, you know, piece him up with those straight shots down the middle. Justin's going to try to finesse him with those leg kicks and his his own boxing skills, which are likely better than what Charles brings to the table. And I don't even know if Charles will be able to get some clean shots here from Justin uh, and, and live to tell the tale, right? Justin is one of the best in terms of when he smells blood, he's going to go after you and try to finish you. And I think he can do that here against Charles Oliveira. But my prediction is actually going to be on the Charles Oliveira side. I've always underrated the guy. I'm flipping the script here now. I think he's getting a little bit too much love on the betting line. Like this much, this should be much closer. I do think that Justin Gaethje deserves a little bit more, more respect than a plus 150 would instill. But I still think that Charles, you know, meshes it together so well here. I think he'll deal with the leg kicks here by checking them. Uh, and then I think at a certain point, he'll land a, a good enough shot here to stun Justin and then eventually get this into the submission realm where he should be able to find one and add it to his total. But rather than taking a side, I'm going to lean on that under two and a half. Now, it seems like the widely available uh, over under is the the one and a half, but there are a lot of websites, FanDuel included, where you can get the under two and a half, which sits around minus 150-ish. I love that line. Again, it's a Charles Oliveira fight. Uh, I think it's going to take them, you know, just a couple minutes to really get into the groove, which is why I don't like the under one and a half, but I do like the two and a half because it goes into that third round and it gives us that extra uh, five minutes uh, compared to the one and a half. So I'm going Charles. I'm thinking club and sub probably second round, but uh, I'm not counting out Justin Gaethje at all in this fight, which is why I'm not betting Charles Oliveira. Gimme Oliveira. Gimme violence. Violence will likely be the way that this fight goes. And if you're feeling a little you know, iffy about the two and a half, three and a half at minus 220 is not too bad either. If you have access to one of those books that uh, allows alternate uh, round or, or totals, uh, three and a half is not that bad at all. Like, I think minus 220 is great. I'd be surprised if this fight reaches the fourth round. I would legitimately, legitimately be surprised if this fight reaches the fourth, fourth round. But I'm going Charles and still, I'm going and still times two this weekend. Uh, but more than likely, no bets on any of those fights outside of the uh, the violence. Like I said, I like violence pretty much all over the main card. Like my guy Mushroom was saying, if you parlay violence throughout, it'll likely pay off for you guys here. All right. Um, let's see. I'll take some, a couple questions here to end off this podcast. 
my guy Luke Fulton. Luke Fulton saying uh, Gaethje wins, though. Again, I'm I'm fine with that. It could happen. Mr. D saying he has a parlay of Oliveira, Chandler, Fury, KO, and Sabatini plus 283. Obviously, those last two already cashed. Those Chandler and Oliveira ones, I think, are going to be a sweat. I think they cash, but I think it's going to be a sweat. I wish I uh, parlayed uh, Fury myself in a bunch of plays, but is what it is. I missed out on it. All right. Uh, again, I appreciate you guys all joining up on the show. Um, I'm going to be working on the Coach's Main Event Marathon. Now that I'm thinking about with it being 1030 and the long essay that I had, I likely will record the rest of that tomorrow morning and release it to you guys by, by noon. But I'll also be doing the Ultimate Wayne Show tomorrow with my guy Alex Bahunin. Uh, you guys may know him as one of the, you know, one of the more well-known journalists on Twitter. Very good guy. Works for Cage Side Press, if I'm not mistaken. He's going to be uh, uh, joining me tomorrow for the Ultimate Wayne Show. I believe our tentative time right now is 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but just keep your eyes on my Twitter account to see... Um, what time we'll actually be doing it. All right. Love you guys. Hit that like and subscribe on the way out. Been a long day for your boy. I'm going to go blow off some steam. Appreciate the love. Appreciate the support. Let's win some money this weekend. I'll see you guys tomorrow for the Ultimate Wayne Show. Good luck.